0: From the Western Riverside Council of Governments, I'm Rachel Singer, and this is CODcast. Active transportation is a form of transport utilizing non-motorized vehicles like walking, biking, and horseback riding. This form of transport promotes overall wellness, health, and safety throughout communities. WRCOG, in an effort to help support active transportation initiatives, hired a project team led by consultant Farron Peers to create the Western Riverside County Active Transportation Plan, also known as ATP. This document aims to improve transportation choices within the subregion for the benefit of all residents, employees, and visitors by identifying regional facilities to provide more transportation options, while also acting as a guiding document of how the identified projects can be implemented. The ATP is meant to serve as a resource for member agencies as they pursue grant funding for active transportation initiatives. Today, we are pleased to welcome Miguel Nunez from Fair and Piers to talk more about ATP and how it has the potential to add great value to our Western Riverside County. So, Miguel, thank you so much for being here with us today.
1: It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: Of course. So, tell me a little bit about yourself. Did you grow up out here in Southern California?
1: I did. I did grow up in Southern California. I've been here uh, the vast majority of my life. I, I've lived in a variety of places throughout the the Southland, if you will, in, including Pomona, <laughs> other areas of the San Gabriel Valley, uh, south, Southeast LA County, specifically the cities of Downey, Downey and Bellflower, and have lived in the city of Los Angeles uh, since college.
0: Okay, cool. Did you do a lot of traveling when you were younger, or did you stay predominantly here in SoCal?
1: I I did do quite a bit of traveling. I had family throughout the country. Um, there's, I have family in Chicago, and that makes me think of an experience I had that I think really planted the seed for me to get into, into planning. Uh, I recall being early 90s, going to visit my family. I was about fourth grade, and I'm with a bunch of people I'd never met before, families, <laughs> uncles, and we're all talking about what we're gonna do. And somebody, one of my cousins who lived there, has the idea, and she says, let's go to downtown. And I immediately thought, you know, being from Los Angeles in the 80s, early 80s and 90s, that's not really a place you thought of to go spend mm-hmm. fun time. You only went if you had to. <laughs> um, and so actually getting out there with my family and it was, it was the exact opposite of what I expected. There were people walking in the street mm-hmm. at nighttime. Um, <laughs> people were ice skating in the park, having coffee, chatting on the street. Mm-hmm. And it immediately sort of spawned this thought of, Why can't we have that? Mm -hmm. Uh, and, And that's something that really makes me think about the work I do.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. I actually went to Chicago for the first time. Last year, I went and visited my brother and sister-in-law. And oh my goodness, I was just blown away by how walkable the like downtown area is and their public transit system. It is honestly so cool. And coming from Southern California, not having that context, it was like, wow, I did not know that cities could function like this.
1: Yeah. O- oddly enough, I think the drivers in downtown Chicago are actually a little more aggressive than, than yeah, they drivers drive very in South, scary. Uh, Southern <laughs> California, but that's... that's that's a different conversation.
0: No, totally. So, how did Fair and Peer's get involved in active transportation in Western Riverside County?
1: Yeah, so we have we have local offices, and uh, WRCog specifically um, did some some work on their end to obtain a grant from the state through what's called the ATP program or Active mm-hmm. Transportation Program. Um, it's really intended to address several challenges, such as safety, uh, expanding transportation options, and improving air quality. Um, WRCOC worked to get a grant, and we went through a, through a proposal process and eventually ended up being the firm selected to work on this project. We had a, a team of a couple other uh, consultants that helped us with the project as well.
0: Okay, awesome. So can you just give a little bit of a brief description of the Western Riverside County AT plan?
1: Sure, so you know, as I mentioned a minute ago, the ATP program has, has a couple of goals. And those generally align with many of the goals that we hear from from agencies and and local stakeholders. Uh, Those include generally um, topics such as improving safety and and options for getting around. Um, One of the things that's really unique about about this area and this type of work is that we often hear different desires or needs from people Mm -hmm. based on things like where they live, their their income level, gender, age. And every, at most, just you know, about everybody experiences travel in some form or another. Um, and so in this case, the active transportation plan uh, seeks to take that type of information and, and input from a variety of people and think of ways that active transportation or non-motorized transportation mm-hmm. um, can be made a more viable choice.
0: Hmm, okay, got it. So I think that sometimes people have hesitancy towards active transportation because I think they can see it as like a situation where funding for more conventional or common modes of transportation like cars and um, all that funding being diverted for these alternative modes um, I think maybe the thing can go back to like the idea of like, oh, how can I get the most for my money? Transportation dollars should be spent on maybe adding more lanes than adding lanes for bikes or things like that. So how do you respond to these kind of kinds of sentiments? Um, are we really trying to offset vehicle trips or what exactly is the goal of active transportation plans?
1: Yeah, so I think there's there's a couple uh, points to hit on, on this one. The first is that there's generally a pretty solid consensus among planners and engineers that we cannot build our way out of congestion. Mm. That is to say, when you add lanes to a freeway, more often than not, what happens over time is you see an initial benefit, but it be, ends up being congested because what that does is allow to the pattern that we see in Southern California where you have development and more and more development happens. Further away, and mm-hmm. as you do that, even though you might um, expand freeways um, it, it's it's not going to end congestion so mm-hmm. congestion is a big deal for a number of reasons. one, it, it affects everybody's quality of life, it affects how long it takes you to get to certain places um, it also um, has impacts to things like air quality and the environment, and so recognizing that we can't um, build our way out of it, I think Part of what we're trying to do is to really plan ahead to figure out ways to address those quality of life issues that i mm-hmm. that i've been talking about again those are things like improving chi- uh s- safety um enhancing transportation choice and, and air quality and, and again what's interesting about this is just about anybody that you talk to is in agreement that those are goals we should be striving for
0: mm-hmm.
1: where you get the disagreement <laughs> is what specific strategies are going to be most effective is that mm-hmm. actually going to work is that a good use of our dollars? Mm -hmm. Um, And so really what part of what the active transportation plan is, is it's not, it's not the active trans, first of all, it's WRCOG. WRCOG doesn't have the ability to implement on local streets. That's the job of local cities. And so it's not our job to tell these cities what to do, really to say, we have this information. We know that these these people in your community have said they want to get to this place or Mm -hmm. they want to travel in this way. And They wanna see these outcomes, you know, less congestion, better air quality, more choice. Mm -hmm. These are some strategies to get there. Uh, You don't have to do necessarily all of them, um, but it is important to think about a comprehensive network. One Mm -hmm. of the reasons why people like driving so much and that is so conventional and common is that it is very easy to do that. Mm -hmm. You can get door to door and that's great, any number of ways. That's not necessarily the case when it comes to walking and biking. And it 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 may not be feasible to make that be the case for everywhere or everyone, but but we know from this type of work and looking at things like landing, where are there parks? Where are their schools? Um where are there places that there are a lot of collisions mm-hmm. and what are things that can be done to make that better? Mm-hmm. And, and we try to do that in a way through this process that incorporates a lot of conversations with agencies, members of the public, mm-hmm. so that we're considering strategies that people think are viable and worth investing in. And again, that, that, that will take some time and, and is ultimately some a process we're, we're intending to help Be a part of and facilitate Mm -hmm. but not making the decisions or telling people what to do
0: no definitely and it sounds like you have to almost address like these this like dual issue of or dual complication in people's minds like not only is it trying to build the infrastructure but then it's also changing people's perspective of active transportation options like not taking your car that's a whole nother cultural shift that kind of comes up when you bring this topic up and i think another thing that kind of comes crashing in. The next idea is this whole aspect of safety in active transportation modes. And so I've actually read that bicycle and pedestrian collisions are increasing compared to data from five to 10 years ago. So is this common in other areas that you've worked in? Why why do you think this is the case?
1: Well, I I would say there's, there's two, again, two key things to talk about here. One is we hear it over and over. People want to walk and bike more. Um, mm-hmm. they don't want to sit in congestion. people want healthier, active lifestyles we live in Southern California. Mm-hmm. great weather t- part of the reason why people are here and so but we also hear that you know that 's not what they could do Monday through Friday. maybe that 's more for the weekends right so it 's understanding how um how people intend to use it mm-hmm. that can help inform what some of those strategies might be. But the other I think is that The statistics do show that bicycle and pedestrian collisions are increasing, and you would expect that if bicycle and collision activity is increasing. Mm -hmm. What is often left out of that conversation or equation is that vehicle with vehicle motor crashes are by far the highest number, you know, over typically 80 or 90 percent in the Mm -hmm. analysis that we do. So what that means is the vast majority of collisions that are happening on our roadways do not involve bicyclists and pedestrians. Mm -hmm. They involve cars. Um colliding with each other mm-hmm. and a lot of it just so happens that a lot of the strategies that are talked about in active transportation, things like um, adding bike lanes, expanding sidewalks, improving crossings, have benefits for also reducing motor vehicle crashes hmm. and so you're right, the statistics are that that those are are increasing um but i would I want to clarify that. Many of the strategies that are that are considered in the um, space aimed at improving uh, safety and, and and infrastructure for people who are biking and walking also have a lot of benefits for people who aren't biking and walking. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of those, again, in the long term, with a, comp- a comprehensive network, uh, is hopefully the idea that if if this is planned well and provides a viable transportation option, that people. Less people can be on the road, and again, it helps achieve many of those goals that we were talking about: mm-hmm. safety, improved air quality, uh, reduced congestion. This isn't going to happen overnight, mm-hmm. uh, and it's it's not easy. If if it was, we would have all had this figured out by now. <laughs> um, and and again, there are different goals. You you know, one of the things that comes up also is city borders, right? Mm. As people travel. People don't travel and drive and say, "Oh, I'm now in Wildemar or mm-hmm. oh, I'm now in Marietta." That that's not, or on the, particularly when you're on the freeway, you just drive and you go. And so, mm-hmm. while jurisdictional boundaries affect the decisions that people make with their infrastructure, mm-hmm. it's it's less a part of how of how people think when they travel. Mm-hmm. And so, um, it's important to think about the user experience as well, and making mm-hmm. that as, as, as seamless and as useful as possible. And I think we've done a great job of doing that with the personal automobile. Um, now the question is, who and where is wanting and willing to make that type of investment and have that type of outcome for modes other than just driving?
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think you bring up a really good point of it being a comprehensive network. Like in it, the um, advent of the automobile and um, more active transportation plans, those two aren't necessarily in direct opposition to one another. Like they very much can work congruently with one another in the same direction and in the same flow. And so that's a really interesting idea because I don't think a lot of people think that way. I think it's very much like either or. Um, So thanks for bringing that up. So switching gears a little bit and bringing it back to our local area specifically, what makes active transportation promising in Western Riverside County specifically?
1: Sure, well, I I alluded to this a little bit already, but it's just uh, planning for so many people and so many different reasons why people travel. One of the things we hear over and over again, right? Let's let's remember that there are people who decide to walk and bike by choice, and there are people who do that by necessity. So that's Mm, just one mm -hmm. thing to, to remember. And um, when we talk to people, one of the things we often hear, and I alluded to this a couple minutes ago, is that, uh, you know what, I I need to drive to work. It's just not viable for me to take the train or or ride my bike. That being said, you know, come Saturday afternoon, I would really love the opportunity to go ride my bike to Diamond Valley Lake with my family. Or I would like to take a a, a ride around Lake Skinner, Mm -hmm. uh, for example, which are some of the things we actually heard through this process. and unfortunately for a lot of those people, that's that's not really viable. If you want to go and do that, you probably have to and particularly with your family, it's most people are not gonna feel comfortable taking their family <laughs> on, on roadways that don't have bike lanes. Um, it's just a lot easier to throw everybody in the car, we'll get over there and and we'll we'll ride or walk when we're there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's just a missed opportunity, right? It's it's a missed opportunity from the perspective of being able again to get to those places schools, parks, places of, of work or worship where people want to be able to get there uh, without having uh, to get in their cars. Um, and it's also, um, I think, a missed opportunity from the perspective that it it, it has a number of other benefits. Um, you know, p- places that have invested in this type of infrastructure often see uh, um, more activity related to potentially, uh, you know, tourism, tourism, uh, and making places more inviting and more exciting um, for people to come and visit. And so in, in western uh, Riverside county, the, the, just the availability of open space, hmm. the availability of all sorts of, of interesting destinations, whether it's you know downtown Temecula or downtown Riverside or um, other, other I remember uh, traveling out here for the Flower bloom a couple of years ago and, oh. <laughs> and, 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 and seeing that. Um, You know, there's just so many opportunities out here. And I think some of those places I just mentioned, like downtown Temecula and and downtown Riverside, I think there's a reason why people go there, right? Mm -hmm. Um, One of the questions I often like to ask people is, if you have family visiting from out of town, much like my people did when I went to Chicago and people (laughs) surprised me, I often ask people, where do you like to take your family? And more often than not, the answer is a place where, you drive there, but as soon as you park, you get out of your car and you spend all day walking around, enjoying things, people watching, spending time outdoors. And it's it's a little surprising to me, I would say, the, the extent to which people are willing or wanting to drive somewhere else to do that, but less willing to think of a way of how that type of environment or opportunity to take place in that type of activity Mm -hmm. could be provided in their own neighborhood. Um, It's it's again, it's not it's not easy, um, but I think there are a lot of opportunities. And and that's really what the plan is intended to do. This is a very high level look. What we've done is gone through and obtained um, input through very specific engagement with the number of stakeholders. Then we look at, you know, more technical data, things like crashes and levels of activity. Um, And we take all of that and pull it together to offer strategies and ideas. When people tell us we want to travel more safely, we want to have more options, these are some of the ways to do that. And it's each city can then take this information, dig deeper. Are we trying to connect places of work? Are we trying to connect schools? And based on those specific conditions in the roadways, they can then refine the strategies to be something that, will work for them.
0: So what are, I think you've already mentioned a few, but what are some of the lessons that we should pay attention to and avoid in, as cities really start to look at the ATP, what are like big takeaways from that?
1: I think... One of One of the biggest ones for me, and this is for cities and for stakeholders and for everybody is is just to listen and mm-hmm. to listen to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, cities, I think, have an obligation to listen to what their constituents are asking for. Um, I think the staff and elected officials at those cities may not always agree or immediately see the benefit to to what those strategies are. But it's really important to have that dialogue.
0: Mm.
1: Decisions are going to be made. Not everyone's going to agree necessarily on, on the decisions that are made or the investments that are made. But I think that having a dialogue, this is where out community outreach and engagement are so important, of having um, venues where those groups can, can come together. Again, I think at the end of the day, they all want very similar things, which is a better quality of life mm. that... Results in a safer, healthier, happier community. Um, Based on different people's perspectives, you know, income levels, residential locations, they're going to have different opinions about about what exactly that means. And so, to me, the biggest lesson is to just have that dialogue continuing. One of the biggest things we hear um, in this type of work is, frankly, a frustration among people that. Um, they're not more regularly engaged or don't more regularly have an opportunity to, you know, it's like you only get one bite at the apple
0: uh, sometimes.
1: <laughs> and 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 these are long-term plans. And so mm-hmm. having a mechanism to um, review and refine that more regularly, I think is something uh, to, to think about a lot. Uh, the other, again, I alluded to a minute ago is that for most users they're not thinking about jurisdictions or borders they're just thinking about how they get from point a to point b mm-hmm. and they're going to make the decision you know for most of them unless you know there's a financial hardship or something that prevents them from doing that um that they're going to make the, the the simple easy choice and so one of the common sayings that that is used is is make the make the healthy choice or the safe choice the easy choice mm-hmm. and that's part of what we're trying to do here again it's not not trying to force anyone to do anything um, what we are trying to do is say um, there are substantial folks in this community who feel this is something worth investing in or would like the opportunity to do this. What are some ways that that we can do that and what are the trade-offs associated with that and how does the community feel we should move forward with that and that that to me is, 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 is what this process and planning in general is about.
0: So WRCOG is a planning agency that doesn't necessarily build projects, so we're actually unable to implement the Western and Riverside County Active Transportation Plan. So in your experience, what do you think WRCOG can do to assist our jurisdictions in developing more active transportation facilities?
1: Yeah, jurisdictions have a, a lot of responsibilities and a lot of things that that they're in charge with. And so because uh, active transportation is... is Uh, an emerging opportunity that agencies have varying levels of of staff or or that, that are involved with their knowledge about, one of the most helpful things that the WRCOG, I think, can do is to help provide technical assistance for those agencies, particularly around the grant applications. Because in Southern California, most of the planning and implementation that's done around active transportation is grant-funded, um, simply because you know cities don't have a ton of resources and mm-hmm. they already have a lot of those priorities and, and funds spoken for. So supporting cities to understand, you know, it could be as simple as regularly reaching out and keeping them apprised of when the next grant cycle is and when it's due, um, onto actually uh, potentially helping them. Pull those grant applications together, whether it's done in house or, or or through a um, another group. Um, so that technical assistance for cities is is really important. And building off of that, um, as I mentioned a minute ago, um, cities have and, and stakeholders, um, residents, employees, business owners all have are, are very busy and have um, different priorities. And I think. One of the things that WRCOG and agencies like this can do is provide that forum or that opportunity to regularly interface and interact Mm -hmm. um, between agencies, elected officials and others about what 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 should we be planning for. Right. Like Mm -hmm. maybe, you know, I've I've had this idea that, you know, instead of having a public meeting every time there's a project, maybe there should, you know, should be an event every month. And that event is fun and entertaining, but it's also where you get to engage with your decision makers and your leaders and really have their ear and an opportunity to engage mm-hmm. about what's happening. So, again, providing that forum and continuing to help educate staff and stakeholders about the opportunities that exist, how some of these projects um, what might be implemented and what some of those trade offs might be. Uh, to keep that conversation going and helping everybody feel like they're 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 knowing what's happening um, and and have a voice in the process.
0: Okay, awesome. Yeah, that's super helpful. So, in your view, and kind of looking ahead, what do you think will be the difference between communities that developed active transportation networks and those that don't?
1: Yeah. So. Part, I, I would answer this question two ways. One is to look at it, assuming nothing changes, right? If everything stays static, you know, gas is three bucks a gallon for <laughs> the next 40 years. Um, development continues a, as it's going. I think the, the the evidence that we have in the research is, is pretty clear. Um, communities that invest in active transportation uh, tend to have safer streets, fewer collisions. There's a very large... Um, uh, economic and social impact to those collisions, particularly when they result in, in fatalities or severe injuries. Um, I talked about property values. Um, again, it's pretty clear that, that places that invest in biking and walking um, uh, have higher property values. There's often a concern that you know adding transit or biking and walking facilities would lead to additional crime. There's really no research or, or evidence to support uh that viewpoint and so I, what I think you're going to see is that um communities that are are making uh these types of investments are gonna score better in a lot of the quality of life perspectives that mm-hmm. we've been talking about they're gonna have uh safer streets they're gonna tend to have better air quality which is a challenge again from 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 jurisdiction to jurisdiction mm-hmm. um They're going to tend to have, I think, uh, higher uh, property values. Um, And that just presents a a number of other considerations to think about. Uh, For me personally, you know, I I grew up largely walking and biking to school. And as many of us did, right? That's one of the things we've seen change over the last few years. 20, 30 years ago, about 75% of kids walked to school and about 25% got dropped off. That's essentially switched these days. Mm Um, and, and I think people, and I understand why, maybe people don't feel it's safe, there are a number of, of concerns, people live further away, it's more convenient. Um, but I think there's, there's, um, there's an element of, of independence and education that mm-hmm. we all have experienced one way or another, engage, you know, getting around and figuring out how to navigate the world. Um, and so I think what you're going to see between these, 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 the differences between these communities are not only the tangible aspects that I've talked about before, um, uh, but also the idea that you're just going to have um, greater choice, uh, greater difference of, of experiences. And, and to me, that just, that just makes communities richer
0: definitely thank you so much for coming and sharing more about your experience and research on active transportation initiatives um, we're really appreciative for all your hard work and I think it really does go to prove that active transportation or at least my biggest takeaway is that active transportation is not in opposition to um, improving transportation for um, automobiles or anything like that like it, they really can work cohesively together um, and even to your point earlier about where do we where would we want to take family members that aren't from this area every single place that comes to mind is something that's walkable or where you can bike there or roller skate and so i think that really does go to prove that it can increase the quality of life for our residents and businesses and so thank you so much for coming in miguel we really appreciate your time do you have any last minute thoughts before we sign off
1: Uh, thank you for having me it's a pleasure to be here today and and really appreciate the opportunity to talk about this with you
0: awesome thank you so much The Western Riverside Council of Governments, also known as WRCOG, exists to unify the Western Riverside County so that it can speak with a collective voice on important issues that affect its members. For more information on WRCOG and the COGcast, please visit us at www.wrcog.us.